Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hello and welcome to the Best Practices in Human Resources podcast. I am Brenda, the HR lady, and I'd like to thank you for listening to the show. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for returning for yet another episode. You guys come back week after week, and I really, really greatly appreciate it. You absolutely rock. And if you are a first-time listener, well, welcome. Um, I'm here to help share with you the what and the how in human resources because I'm in the human business, and that means that there's a greater number of dynamics in the workplace to balance and manage. So today, I'm going to share with you employment law changes that are happening across the nation, and I'm going to share with you how you can find access and links to these articles that I call out. Our main topic today, we're going to be talking about assessing the assessments with a very awesome guest. His name is Dr. Richard Schuster. And I'm going to share with you later on how you can get my best practices delivered directly to your inbox. And before we go on, folks, the information that is available through this podcast is, in fact, for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing any form of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. And if you do not have an employment attorney, you may go ahead and reach out to me and I would be happy to possibly see what I could do to refer one to you through our affiliates program and our friends over at Jackson Lewis. All right, so first article we got today, uh, another good one, um, titled, Will COVID-19, quote-unquote, long haulers be next to test the limits of the American with Disabilities Act? Uh, Next articles, we're talking about a pandemic necessities, review of donning and doffing policies. And if you don't know what donning and doffing means, uh, that means if you uh, have employees that work in an environment where they have to don equipment, they have to put it on, that's deemed as compensable, which means that they get paid for it. Doffing is just the opposite, means that it comes off. So uh, definitely some good information on there. Uh, next article we've got is a deferred compensation plans. It talks about different options and considerations. And the EEOC has also proposed conciliation procedure rules as well. So more progress coming out of the EEOC. <clears throat> Over in California, and the California Department of Justice has announced a third set of modifications to the CCPA regulations. Also, New California paid data collection law has established March 3rd, excuse me, March 31st, as the reporting deadline. Uh, California legislature also essentially eliminates public works de minimis expectations. And California has actually made some updates uh, to their restrictions on using criminal records uh, as a means of making employment decisions. Over in Illinois, there is a new template out about respiratory protection program that is available uh, from a law firm. Over Michigan, the latest COVID-19 developments, what employers need to know. Up in New York and New Jersey, they have released COVID-19 exposure apps. 
And over in Oregon, <clears throat> the Bureau of Labor and Industries, uh, Industries has issued temporary rules under the Oregon Family Leave Act for school or child care provider closures. Up in Pennsylvania, a couple of important call-outs. The federal court uh, fines Pennsylvania me- Pennsylvania's Medical Marijuana Act that contains implied private rights of action. And Pennsylvania's new overtime salary threshold has taken effect. So if you're in Pennsylvania, you're definitely going to want to learn about that. And lastly, uh, up in Wisconsin, there is now a new separation notice that is required for Wisconsin employers. And that is what we've got going on across the nation. There are approximately 2,500 members of the U.S. Special Operations Community who transition out of active duty military service every single year. The Honor Foundation's dedicated its mission to serving these elite individuals on their journey to prepare for life once they take off the uniform. In the past few years, we've begun our own journey to reach this number, launching three physical campuses in San Diego, California, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and near Wilmington, North Carolina, along with a virtual campus to reach members of the community anywhere on the planet. I spent 26 years in the special operations community as a SEAL. I graduated from THS program, I served on the board of directors, and now I'm proud to lead this organization into the future to continue assisting these transitioning service members and their families. Our dedicated team, our world-class program, and our incredible tribes of supporters are standing by to help THF alumni and future fellows, and are committed to providing the best possible support system and resources to better serve this community. Our vision for the Honor Foundation is clear, to impact every transitioning service member from the U.S. Special Operations Enterprise through our programs and support, and to be a catalyst for overhauling the entire DOD transition program. It's a big task, but the community deserves it, and we're driving full steam ahead to make this a reality. If you've been inspired with what the Honor Foundation's done in the last five years, I welcome you all to join us as we craft the next chapter in defining what it means to serve others with honor for life. today is an awesome conversationalist. I cannot wait. I just, all, we were talking before this and I'm like, oh my God, I wish we were recording this right now. Uh, it, just a phenomenal human being. His name is Dr. Richard Schuster and he goes by Dr. Richard. Um, and we're going to talk about something pretty important today and that is assessing the assessment. So how are you? Welcome. I'm glad hey, you're I'm here. Doing, I'm doing awesome. I'm glad I'm here too. So we're, uh, we're going to have some fun today. And uh, we were talking about dogs, and we were talking about all kinds of cool stuff before before we hit the the red light here. So uh, we're gonna have a good time, and, yep. and hopefully uh, provide some real value. Oh, love it! They're very excited about that. But you have a very interesting story. So before we get into the whole assessing the assessment things, you have a very interesting backstory, and and you are prime reason why I preach to people that you have to take care of yourself first before you're able to take care of anything else. And I don't want to steal your thunder, but would you please share with everybody listening your backstory and why you are now focused on taking care of yourself first before you focus on taking care of everything else? Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you, Brenda, for the opportunity to share that story, because I think it's one that everybody needs to hear. You know, I, I 
I have had, uh, you know, a previous brush with death, you know, 20 years ago when I broke my spine in that car accident, which is what I discussed in my TED talk. Um, you know, so that's not new. Uh, and, and hopefully I don't have to go through that kind of a thing again, but I, it was not that long ago that, you know, COVID has impacted businesses in, in so many ways. And it's actually uh, really propelled mine because of what I do and how I help people and companies. And I was really several months ago at, at the absolute apex of where I wanted to be. Like my, I, I just had my best quarter ever, uh, which I'm grateful for because I know it, it is a struggle for a lot of people right now. Uh, you know, my TED talk went live and my podcast just did its 275th episode and uh, everything was clicking. And I loved what I did. You know, I, I was so happy to get up and, and do my thing. And, uh, and then I, I suffered a stroke, which was very unexpected. In fact, you know, and I, and you know, for those of you that don't know me, my background is neuropsychology. And even then uh, it, it was an impossibility. It was, you know, we were talking about puppies. So uh, we were crate training ours. It was two 30 in the morning. And I, you know, I was actually awoken from a dead sleep by the stroke. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I woke up and thrashing in the bed. And I, I didn't feel a pop like some people experience, but I just felt very hot, very anxious, never experienced anything like this. And I instinctively ripped the pillow out, out from under my wife's head, who immediately set up and, and you know, rocked an expletive my way because she loves sleeping. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and what I, what I should have said was something's wrong. I need help. You know, I, for whatever reason, the words that came out of my mouth were, I'm sorry. <laughs> and she grunted and, you know, kind of, rolled her eyes and, and went back to bed. And then I went back to bed stupidly with a bleeding, a bleeding brain. And it was that puppy who woke me up three hours later. So now flash forward to 5.30 in the morning and the dog is barking and you know I'm, I'm on puppy patrol. So I get out of bed. This was actually the first time I physically tried to stand up and I didn't feel right. And I'm thinking, hmm, well, I did take an antihistamine at about 11 o'clock and like trying to calculate half-lives and okay, so that could still be in my system. And I kind of stumbled down the stairs. The dog had left a, a very brown surprise in the crate uh, and then had taken the liberty of using his paws to kind of be artistic and get that oh. all, all over the place, right? And so um, that's a two-person job for sure. So I go back up the stairs and explain to my wife, what has transpired? And she shot up immediately and said, you're slurring your words. And I said, huh, boy, that Benadryl, man, that really did a number on me. And so we get back downstairs and we get the dog and we get it to the front of the house and we get him on the leash. And so now I'm going to take him out. And I grab my cell phone to get that flashlight because it's pitch black outside. And then I discover I don't know how to use my cell phone at all. And kind of like Bruce Willis in The Sixth Sense, like everything popped, all the clues, unsteady, slurred speech, mm -hmm. can't use my cell phone. Holy crap, I've had a stroke. And so we rushed to the hospital and they immediately begin 
and their interrogation of me. And the big joke in graduate school was pray you never have a traumatic brain injury or a stroke because you're going to know the answer to every single question they're going to ask you. <laughs> and, and in fact, it was the case. The, the, you know, they have this little checklist. It's, it's called the mini mental status exam. What day is it? Yeah, right. And the guy sits there, I'm going to ask you three words. And I said, the three words before he even got a chance to ask them. They're like, oh. <laughs> like, they're all looking at each other. And so, you know, they gave me a CT scan, which was negative and said, great job, you know, good luck. Or we're going to send you out of here because there's no, no evidence of a stroke. And I really had to fight for my, my life and, and just said, look, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't throw the title around. Um, but I said, listen, I'm a ner- I, I studied neuropsychology. I've trained, you know, and seen patients from the Cleveland Clinic. I've seen stroke a lot, and you know damn well that only a certain kind of stroke, an embolic stroke will show up on a CT, not an ischemic stroke. I need an MRI, and I need one right now, and you're going to give it to me. And then I remembered uh, this, this piece of advice that at my first job when I was out of college, the operations manager in the company told me, he said, when you lay down the gauntlet, it be it a, a sales pitch or whatever it is, look him in the eye and don't say anything because whoever talks first gives in. So I locked in on him and, I'm just, <laughs> and I could tell how much tension was in the room because who, who talks to doctors that way, right? And so he acquiesced and he did an MRI and it showed the stroke. In fact, much like with my car accident, when I broke my spine, had, that, had I hit that fracture point a little bit higher in my spine, I'd probably be paralyzed from the neck down. Had it been just a slight bit lower, I would have been paralyzed from the waist down. I'm obviously, you know, not paralyzed at all, uh, which is wonderful. Had the stroke been about a millimeter in the other way, it would have hit my basal ganglia, which is a part of the brain really central for speech and movement. And I would look like a patient with advanced Parkinson's, probably couldn't speak or would stutter to the degree that communication would likely not be possible in any meaningful way, would probably be in a wheelchair, would probably be shaking and and, uh, would lack the capacity to do things like use a fork and knife and everything. So I, I mean, really dodged a bullet, unbelievably lucky. And as I was recovering and they're trying to figure out what, what could happen, why did this happen? Because I'm a young guy, relatively speaking, uh, although my kids tell me I'm an old man. Um, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I've never used drugs in my life. I eat right. And I exercise at that point seven days a week, in some instances, twice a day. So they they didn't know what to do with me. And they said, well, maybe it's cancer. So they sent me to go into oncologist. I didn't have cancer. Oh, maybe it's just thyroid. And they sent me to this person. And not my nope. thyroid. What it was. Here at the comes. end of the day, here it comes. Here comes the big reason. I was working too hard and yep. literally almost worked myself to death. And, and the certainly, if you're an entrepreneur, this is true. But you know, even in jobs we love, you know, we beat our chests and we say, "Well, it's not really work if you love what you do." So, no, of um, it is. right? You cannot burn the candle at both ends. No, you cannot burn the candle at both ends. There will be a price to now. If you hate your job. Uh, I would certainly, that's more stressful than if you like it. But what I, you know, what I didn't share in the beginning of the story is that day for me, uh, which was very typical at the time, my day started at 5 a.m. And I did have an exercise practice and a gratitude routine and all of these things that I would do every day. But I would work until the second my kids walked in the door. 
and then I, you know, we do dinner and story time and baths and, but, but the second they were back asleep, I was back in front of the laptop. And that night I worked till almost 10 o'clock at night and it was not atypical for me to put in 17 hour days. Yep. And so, you know, I had to reduce my hours radically. Right. Not because I wanted to, I loved what I do, but, but because my life literally depended on it. And so um, that has been, I mean, the biggest wake up call. And, and so I've become very judicious about my time. I only let certain things show up on my radar that are important. I'm saying no to more things that I've ever said no to in my life. And, and it was kind of like going through withdrawal. Like I was so used to, you know, an email would come in and it didn't matter what time at night it was. I'm like, oh, the great opportunity. Blah, blah, blah. And now like that laptop shuts at four o'clock every day. Yep. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> I don't check my emails after four yep. o'clock. I, you know, I don't care who's calling me. It, it goes to voicemail and, and it'll get picked up the next day. Yep. So Absolutely. And this is, this is why I, this is why I preach this. So this is why it's like, you cannot, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anything else. It's as simple as that. And, you know, God forbid if, you know, thankfully you were not in a situation to where, you know, you were incapacitated permanently and, you know, you're still able to continue on and do what you do and provide for your family and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is why, you know, for me, that why I focus in on recovery and, and folks, I don't get paid for this at all. I mean, we've had Will on a little while ago from Naked Warrior Recovery. This is the reason why my daily recovery actually starts at 5 p.m. As I'm up at five in the morning, I have a puppy that wakes me up 4 a.m. every day to go out and that's when my day starts. And I don't go back to sleep. I stay up and I do work when, you know, I don't have phone calls coming in and I focus on, you know, doing things that I need to do to help you guys out. And, but at five o'clock, somewhere between five and six is when I take one of two, uh, you know, 10 milligrams of CBD gummies so I can stop thinking. That's the thing. I can't stop thinking. And, and I get better recuperative sleep as a result of it. And if you sleep and if you eat well, just doing those two things will help you out immensely. And so thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing your story because this is a prime example of what happens if you just, you know, go at it so hard that you, there were no warning signs. Mm -hmm. It just happened. Yeah. It, it was, it was like the blink of an eye and yeah. you know, in the hospital, there were a lot of, you know, thoughts that were scary to me because when you break your arm, for example, he goes, you know, Brenda goes skiing this weekend and breaks her arm. You can pretty much determine in about three seconds, how you're impacted, how you're going to work around that and over what period of time it's going to be until things get back to normal. Right. But as I'm lying in the hospital and knowing the results of my MRI, tears are streaming down my face because I have no idea yeah. If I'm able, because at the time my speech was slurred to the point where my phone wouldn't recognize me for voice dictation. Uh, I couldn't really text because in my mind I did figure out eventually, oh yeah, thumbprint, uh, get me into the phone. Uh, but you know, I'm trying to text people because it's COVID, right? So nobody, you know, my wife isn't allowed in the hospital with me. You know, she's sitting oh. at home and nobody knows anything. And it took me like three minutes to create a text that just said stroke because my, I knew what 
I wanted to type, but my thumbs would get nowhere near yeah. where I wanted. And uh, I, I mean, I, I had a huge facial droop on the left side of my face. I mean, I, 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 so I'm sitting there in the hospital, a lot of unknowns. I don't know yeah. to what degree I'm going to be able to speak again. And that means my podcast career is over. That means my keynote speaking career is over. Uh, any consulting work that's over. I don't know to what degree I have memory impairment. Am I even going to be able to drive again? I, you know, like the shoe hadn't fallen for me yet. And unfortunately, none of those were issues. And I recovered really a lot faster than anybody thought I would. I, I kind of enjoy, I, I take kind of a, a morbid pleasure out of proving doctors wrong. And uh, I was, I've, I was symptom free in, in about two weeks. Yeah. which is Norm un unheard of. Yeah, but, normally that's, an, that's a long road to hoe. Yeah, it, for sure. And, um, you know, visualization and mindset have a lot to do with that. But uh, I got lucky. I got I'm unbelievably lucky. Like I said, a millimeter, a, a fingernail's length is the difference between me being here uh, or me being a, a burden for my family. And so, you know, I, I will never put my family in that position again. And I, for all of you listening, I, I hope you do take that to heart because uh, there are simple shifts and changes that we can make to be able to get more out of our time and, and be able yep. to have more balance. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Now that has nothing to do with what our nothing, topic is. Nothing at all. Nothing it's at such all. a great story. And you know, when you, <laughs> when we first started talking a while ago and, and you know, you mentioned to me that you had a stroke and I'm like, what? And you know, it's just, it's in, it's incredible. And so, yes, folks, I mean, this is a prime example of, you know, and I'm not saying everybody's going to go off and have a stroke, but what I'm saying is, is that, look, life shows up in ways that are adverse. And if you're not taking care of yourself and being predictable for yourself and nurturing, you know, your every step possible forward, it just means that you've got a better chance of handling the things that show up unexpected because that's just what life does. And yes, you're absolutely right. We can love our jobs. And, you know, there's a lot of good stress that comes out of loving what we do. We get energy. But you know what? If you were to look at the same, statistically look at the same levels of energy that we're putting out from both stress, positive stress, negative stress, they're the same because it's, it's energy output. And so that's basically what you're dealing with. And it does. It tears your body down. You, you dehydrate at night. You dehydrate during the day. If you're not drinking your water, you're, you know, your body's going to, you know, respond to that adversely. So that's why it's so important to take care of yourselves. And, and, you know, that's why I had chosen on the recovery side of the day, because recovering at the end of the day for me is what gives me all of the energy that I need moving forward tomorrow. And it allows me to sleep. And, you know, I'm knocking on the door of 50. And I'm not happy about that, but I am. And those things, <laughs> there's changes that come with that. And, you know, I'm handling it a lot better than what I did at the beginning of the year since I started focusing in on it. So thank you for that. Okay, so today we're talking about assessing the assessments. And one of the things that Dr. Richard does is in his line of work is he has put together assessments. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about those. But it's one of the things that I want to kick this conversation off with is why we are taking a critical look at assessments. Now, I, I almost created a second stroke for Dr. Richard when I mentioned, <laughs> you can laugh, you can unmute yourself because he's over here laughing. When, <laughs> when I mentioned, um, just in passing, <laughs> 
<laughs> it'll go unnamed. But there was an assessment, a very commonly known assessment that I put out there, and he goes, ah, <laughs> I'll let him explain why. But it's a good assessment. It's an assessment that a lot of people use. It's very, it's a, it's almost a household name. Uh, the technology for this and the research of this goes back to, you know, the 1920s. So when we're looking at assessments and we're talking about, uh, you know, why businesses, why it's important for validation, um, you know, we've got all these assessments, DISC, and we've got Myers-Briggs, we've got uh, success factors. Is this, what is it? I did it again. Success Mine? what? Mine is called Powers. No, 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 not yours. I'm talking about the book. Oh my gosh, we just said it. We have to do some serious editing here. No, nah, it's easy editing. Um, yeah, so it's say like success factors. Strengths, strengths? Strength finders. Oh my strength gosh, finders. strength okay, finders. Yeah. So you've got strength finders. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people tend to want to use these in the interviewing process they're not validated and so it gives this bad bad juju that falls along with it because they're not validated so it's a, they're very subjective yours on the other hand i would love for you to share with us what it is that your assessments and why validation is so critical well i want to i want to say a couple of things first uh, number one as an organization, you really need to know why you're using assessments. And it shouldn't be because you got flown to some HR conference and <laughs> everybody's doing it too, right? Um, right. There, there are valid reasons why people should be using assessments. And I, and I don't also, one, because I, I don't want the DISC people to come sue me or you know, <laughs> steal my dog or anything we're like not, that. We're not saying right. anything bad no, about right, right, this. Right. That's not um, what we're doing. Right. We're yeah. talking about validation. So, totally there, are, there are tools out there that are widely used, and I won't say them by name, that, that lack empirical validation. Why is that important? Number one, validation lets you know that this is a scientifically accurate tool and not what Game of Thrones character am I Facebook kind of a quiz, right? <laughs> so that's important. Number two, why, why does validity matter? So if you have a particular goal and let's, let's even pull it out of the workspace and let's say that goal is related to diet and exercise and you get on your scale and the scale is actually showing that you're 20 pounds lighter than you really are and you're out there celebrating victories and you're going to go celebrate by you know eating a slab of ribs and you know half a quart of ice cream um, you were making those decisions as to how to proceed in a certain direction based on false information. Right. So it's critical to know that what you're using from a scientific standpoint has gone through the rigors of being tested to make sure that what the questions asked are actually doing what they're doing. And just to throw in some nerdy you know, psychological terms, we call that construct validity. Uh, there, there's all these things that have to be done. Some of the tools do that, although haven't updated their research perhaps in years, if not decades. Mm -hmm. Some of the tools kind of skirt around that issue and don't do it at all and have never done it and, and are still making a lot of money because they've been very good at marketing and people know who they are. And, and so you, know, you just have to be careful about 
why you're using an instrument and, you know, ask what, what, what rigors have you gone through to, to validate your tools? How, what's your sample size look like? What does that pool of data look like? Are you including, you know, is it all white people from Minnesota? And I say that because there's a, a psychological tool that many have heard of called the MMPI. Yep. Which was one of the most well-known personality inventory, still is. They, and then they've revised it several times. But that sample size was literally a bunch of Ludafisk eating, no disrespect to, to Minnesotans if they're listening to this, but it, it was not a, a representative sample no. of, of the country and certainly not globally. And we are a global workforce today. And so, you know, all of those things matter. And you know, when, when we created our tools, that was something that we took into consideration. Of course, uh, we worked with a company called Prolific out of England to help us validate this tool and, and Prolific are they're used by University of Oxford, Harvard, Stanford, Yale, uh, the World Bank, Duke. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty heavy hitters use these guys. And so we, we knew that, you know, what we were doing was going to have the threshold of, of meeting a standard in terms of scientific expertise and rigor that we could say that our tools do what they say they're going to do. Right. So I want to interject here real quick. So I'm going to give a really good example as to why validity is so critical when it comes to using assessments in HR. So I'm going to use DISC. I love DISC. I absolutely love the company, love the assessment, right? But here's the thing. I've taken this assessment many, many times. It's the same thing over and over and over again. And depending upon the position that I'm in depends upon my results. Now, some DISC coaches will argue against that, but I can actually say from my own personal experience, when I was in a capacity of an administrator, not HR administration, I'm talking about baseline administration. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. I'm doing this. These are my daily tasks. I know what I'm doing. It's, I'm not making matters of decisions of importance. I'm at a much different result. I'm, I'm at that S, you know, I'm a standard, I'm high S, right? It means that my, my work and my mindset and, and my communication, because that's what DISC is, it's about how you communicate. I, it's, it's in that realm. It's in that, what that definition is. However, if I'm in my HR position like I am today, right, where I'm consulting, I'm an influencer. I'm a high I or I'm a high D, and usually those two are right next to each other. Guess where my S is? Right down at the very bottom, because I'm not of that communication mode, Right. So just looking at my example, because I can speak for myself, when I'm in a leadership capacity, my high D is going to come out. But if I'm in a having to negotiate behaviors with people and, you know, needing to get buy-in to the CEO, my high I will, will show more than my D because I can't really be dominant in my communication if I'm trying to get somebody to buy into things, unless it's just kind of like I'm in my, okay, this is non-negotiable. <laughs> then my high D and my I, I work in unison, but that doesn't, but that doesn't necessarily reflect that this research is objective enough to be able to stand up and because it's not validated. And I know that about DISC and this was, like I said, this is wonderful, but when it comes to that, so if you are making a determination just based off of a four letter answer, D I S C and you're hiring or moving somebody through the hiring process or 
you're doing something to where you're taking that in consideration with a reduction in force, guess what? You're not using valid information that will substantiate your decisions. And believe it or not, it, it will come out in court or it could come out in a litigation. Any employment attorney will tell you if the assessment is not validated, it actually hurts your position as a company. So certainly, I want to throw no, that out there. That, that's absolutely true. And, and you know, I, I want to bring in another analogy that we talked about off, off air. And, and of course, you know, most HR policies in this country are built upon examples taken from the TV series The Office. We, 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 we know that. We <laughs> well, know we that to be. Like, they make them up on their own. Don't worry about that. Indeed. No. So <laughs> I, I remember an episode distinctly where Michael was driving with Dwight to a sales call with a, with a prospect. <laughs> and Michael is following the GPS and the GPS is telling him, go straight, go straight. And Dwight is screaming, no, you're driving into a lake. I, I have to follow the GPS. And so Michael drives into a lake. <laughs> and, and, and so what the dangers with technology are is that we sometimes become overly reliant on them Yes. Wholly reliant on them. And so if you have somebody who takes an assessment tool, whether it's mine or anybody else's, and you have glowing results, but this person is interpersonal, this person interpersonally is not appropriate. Uh, an extreme example, obviously, like bloodshot eyes, smells of alcohol, you know, whatever. You have to allow for some degree of human intuition and judgment to go into the decision-making process. Now, that said, a valid tool will allow you to narrow down the pool and say, okay, this, this may or may not be a fit for a position or our organization, depending on that. But um, certainly that's, that's a critical thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's just, and the other thing that can sometimes happen too is that when people take all these really great assessments throughout their career, and they start to label each other mm -hmm. as, you know, now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can't talk to Brenda today because she's a high D. No. Well, we see that as well in you know, instruments that only point out wonderful attributes about people. Right. And so if you, I'm a visionary, right? If you get that, you know, labeled and you walk around the office, I'm a visionary person. And then, so when you're in a collaborative setting and they're talking about ideas for, you know, future sales or ways to you know, do new things, they might be less, less willing to hear feedback because of that position. And so if you think about it, if everybody just knew what was great about everybody else, we wouldn't need HR and we wouldn't have to have performance reviews because everything is going to be rainbow skittles and unicorns with magic yep. flowing gold coins coming from the sky and, and all of these things. In fact, it's important to know where an employee excels and where their gifts lie, but it's equally important to know where are they struggling with? What are the challenges they're facing and how can we from an HR standpoint, help address those so they become a more balanced, productive, successful employee. Right. Yep, I totally agree. So would you please share with them what your assessments are? Sure, so our, our flagship in the corporate space is called POWERS, I'm an acronym guy, and POWERS stands for Predictor of World-Class Excellence Rating Scales. And we're on version two of this, 
and we're very proud of that. And, and what we've done is we've empirically located through the, the research or empirically found elements that are critical for success in the workplace. And we built our assessment around that. So we're not only tapping personality, we're not only tapping strengths, but we're looking at aspects of personality, aspects of behavior, talent, leadership potential, work-life balance, to put it all together so that an, an organization can take a look at their strengths and weaknesses, well-being and balance of their employees. And we allow you to do this from an organizational, departmental, or even an employee level to increase productivity and retain top talent. And that's especially important. I and mean, this came out before the pandemic, but it's especially important now because we, we certainly know that it's cheaper to identify employees that are struggling and rehabilitate them in those issues than it is for an HR manager to have to terminate somebody to then have a position unfilled, eventually hire somebody new and then train that person to get them up to speed. And so, you know, this is a critical thing and we allow companies to use that data in what we have is our, it's called our peak performance lab. So what will happen is once your employees take this, certainly you get individual results and it's algorithmically driven. So in, in all of these different dimensions or interpersonal, communication capabilities or reasoning abilities, where do they fall in terms of inclusivity and diversity, work-life balance, their wellness and strength, their, their leadership capacity, openness to growth and feedback. You know, all of these have their place and focusing on just one isn't enough. You, you could take a personality assessment that will show, oh, this person's you know, per personality, they'd be a really good fit for our team. But if you don't have a handle on their level of stress, what degree are you, know, especially now where people are, are teleworking almost exclusively because of this virus, to what degree might stress be impacting their workplace? Are they just barely keeping it together beneath the surface? You don't know. Do they have somebody who's a relative that they've lost or close person or you don't know any of those things unless you're looking at strengths and wellness. And, and so what we then allow you to do is the algorithm applies all that to specific key things that are important for success in the workplace. How does that affect workplace relations? For example, you know, how does one's communication abilities affect workplace relationships or teamwork, conflict, self-care, success? So for each dimension we tap, we apply them through a filter through those specific things that I mentioned, those five things. And then, as I've said, the cool thing is our peak performance lab where we literally allow you as an HR manager to go wild with this data and pull up a portal and be able to just with, with the click of a mouse, be able to say, okay, I just want to look at sales. I'm going to look at my sales department and seeing how they look, or I want to look at accounting. I want to, I'm going to take a look at these different things. And then you really get to see patterns because you know, the sales department might be absolutely overwhelmed with stress. Yep. And knowing that, you could say, okay, so how can I, from an HR standpoint, address that? And then you address that. And so if, but if you're, if you don't have that information or you're just flying blind, wanting to know how great their personality is, or, you know, let's, let's add a boy, pat each other on the back, right? It, it's not as useful as having a more holistic work or a holistic view of the workplace. Yep. Love it. 
So if people were interested in reaching out to you to talk assessments yep. and making that introduction and, and possibly looking at bringing these tools in, how can they find you? Well, the, the easiest way is to go to our website, which is YourSuccessInsights.com. And if you want to take a look at the powers corporate in particular, click on corporate and it'll drop down to this tool. We actually have a really fun uh, in vivo kind of demo you can take and play with the peak performance data lab and, and see what that looks like. Not only in terms of looking at things from an organization level, we also have a matrix that helps people put teams together based on our algorithm, which is, which is really cool. And, and so, you know, I did mention that, you know, this is our flagship tool, but from an EAP standpoint, we, we also have a, a new tool coming out for addiction and recovery. And, uh, you know, everything that we've developed, this was kind of my mission and stems off of what I've already done with the podcast is everything we create has to help people be better than they were. We don't believe that there are any problems that can't be addressed, but we also believe that you can't bury your head in the sand and just focus on one aspect without knowing the whole picture. But, but certainly uh, your success insights. And if you want to learn more about, you know, my other platforms or show, you can find me at drrichardschuster.com. Wonderful. Well, thank you so very much for jumping on. This has been fat. This has been fantastic. I've loved, I've loved it. Uh, we'll have to do this again because this was so much fun for me as well. And, and, and hopefully that this added some value for everybody listening and uh, hope everybody has an outstanding day. Absolutely. We're going to get you back on when your book is ready. Right on. Absolutely. Stress is a killer. It really is. And in this COVID environment, with all the challenges that we've been facing in 2020, you really need to manage your stress, your mindset, and how you feel about what is going on in our world. It is an absolute crazy time. And how you do that is by making some changes in what you put in your body and how you move it. Now, two things that I've done for myself is work to improve my sleep and work to improve my eating. It just so happens that as part of that process that I lost 25 pounds using MASF Smashing Greens, but most importantly, I've kept up my immune system by including dense nutritional support by using these greens. I've also managed my stress by increasing the amount of sleep I get each evening. I use THC-free Naked Warrior Recovery CBD gummies to help me recover from the day it lowers my stress rate and it helps me achieve seven hours of good restful sleep each evening. Love this stuff. If you want more information about it, hit me up. You can go ahead and uh, DM me over on Instagram. You can send me an instant message over on Facebook. You can reach out to me through LinkedIn. And I'm going to tell you how you guys can do that in a little bit. Uh, but if you want to know what's going on, you guys can go ahead Hit me up. I'll get you a code to uh, Naked Warrior Recovery where you can get 20% off on your first order and give these a shot. Absolutely awesome. Now, I don't get, and just so you guys know, I don't get paid for, for send, sharing out that information. I just like to share things that I find that works with people who I know are going through something similar. And speaking of which, it is year end. <laughs> Holy cow, it's creeping up. And uh, if you really don't know what to do with your year end, year end is 
it really is the, one of the busiest times in the year for both HR, payroll, and finance, okay? And the question is, are you prepared? Do you know what needs to be done? If you don't, go ahead and get a get the planner that guides you through the year and and helps prepare you on what you need to to knock out and to absolutely crush and to have something smooth uh, so go ahead and visit brendathrlady.com click shop at the top and download a copy of the best hr planner in the world that's actually what it's called <laughs> you'll find it over there and then uh, it gives it there's a lot of really great information in there the 2021 version is just going to uh, top this one that we put out and uh, it's getting a lot of really, really positive uh, feedback, positive attention. It gives you 12 months overview um, of the year. It gives you information about what laws you need to follow based off of the size of your company. And it also gives you an HR checklist plus a lot more that you can access. So go ahead and check that out. Great tool. We love it. We do a lot of, uh, we've been doing some webinars on it. Uh, you'll find copies of those over in the HR University as well. Uh, you know I love questions. Email me your HR question. You can submit your question on the bestpractices.work website or the brendathehrlady.com work website by clicking on the podcast link from the menu and down towards the bottom of the podcast page, you'll find a submission form for you to go ahead and post your question, which I may read and answer on an upcoming episode. So a question that came across me recently was, and I really loved it, so I wanted to bring it to you guys. How can I maximize productivity in a remote team? Everybody's feeling this. <clears throat> now there's something to keep in mind, that a lot of companies, when they are attempting to maximize productivity, they wind up micromanaging by default. And it, it's, it's not meant to happen that way, but it kind of tends to turn out that way. And when you're, you know, there's, when we first went to a remote workforce, a lot of people were very nervous about, oh my gosh, are people going to be screwing around? Are they going to actually be working? And, you know, it was a, it was a very creepy feeling for a lot of leaders. I mean, let's face it, it really was. There was, you know, the question is, can I trust my people? And when you, like, if I'm literally playing with a thing of slime right now, um, and, and it just, every time I think about this conversation, I grab this thing because this little ball of Nickelodeon slime, um, because it makes me think about exactly this. You put that slime in your hands, <clears throat> make a perfect ball, right? Cause think of that as your, as your workforce, right? Your perfect environment. That's what you're constantly working on. And then you squeeze it and then it just starts oozing out in between your fingers, that's what happens with micromanaging. And that's what happens when you put a lot of controls in place. It gets to the point where you can't keep control of everything that you're trying to keep control of. <laughs> it's just simply how it works. And things start slipping through your fingers, including, and, and these are the important things, not just the work. We're talking about employee engagement. We're talking about trust in the workplace. We're talking about people who want to even just stay with your organization. Your employees start leaving. Um, you know, and then we haven't even scratched the surface on all the challenges that come with COVID uh, to begin with. So to maximize productivity in a remote team, the number one thing that you absolutely need to focus in on is trust. And if you haven't made trust part of your regiment, you haven't made it a priority in your organization, there's a really great Chinese proverb that 
can describe what to do with trust in today's environment if you haven't focused in on it. And that proverb is, is the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is to plant one right now. You can start working on trust at any time. I wouldn't put it off because trust is key and it's critical and it's important. And if you have people who you cannot trust or you feel like you cannot trust, you need to work to help build that up. And it could be mutual. It could be one-sided. Uh, it could be on either your side of the fence or their side of the fence. But the more you set your expectations and the more you hold people to them and the more you just trust but verify, not micromanage, trust but verify that the work is getting done, you build that trusting relationship, your productivity is going to go up because this is an unprecedented time and you just have to invest in building trust. If it's not something that you know what to do or how to go about doing it, there's actually a really good book out. Um, it's written by uh, Stephen Covey. It's called The Speed of Trust. It's one of my favorite books of all time. And uh, I highly recommend that you dip into that. And you know what? Take it small chunks at a time. You don't have to read it in one sit down cover to cover. Um, but really what goes into building trust is knowing what expectations you want set, being very clear about them, communicating them, be available to your employees to help them through their challenges, um, give them positive feedback, give them developmental feedback. I don't believe in giving constructive criticism. Constructive criticism is just a way of draining the emotional bank account. It really does. But if you give somebody developmental feedback, and help them figure out how to overcome their obstacles, just working on those things, that's going to launch your trust factor up quite a bit. Okay. So that's an awesome, awesome question. And if you want to learn more about HR stuff, November 9th through the 13th, I am hosting a free HR summit. This is the last time I'm going to do this for free. We've got Awesome speakers, four awesome speakers. We've got Suzanne Lucas, the evil HR lady, and my co-host on The Real HR Show, which, by the way, the last one that we did um, is over on YouTube. You can Google it and find The Real HR Show. Um, we did on pushing back to the CEO. <clears throat> and basically, uh, how, do you, how do you jump in front of that freight train and help protect them as well? Uh, she's going to be talking Tay Nelms, who's a former HR for the Bellagio and Treasure Island Hotels in Las Vegas. She's coming on. Steve Watson, awesome dude. Uh, he is the CFO and founder of Trendbusters. And his favorite all-time thing literally loves to figure out how he can help companies save money on their benefits. So he's going to be talking about the five hacks for 2021. And yours truly. I'm going to be coming in and on Wednesday and on Friday of that week. It's one hour every day that we're going to be doing this for the whole week. <clears throat> and I'm going to be talking to you about uh, HR leadership and how you can really uh, focus and impact your HR career. So if you want to connect with people and have real conversations in real time with real people, I'm going to invite you to come join us over at the Next Gen Women in HR community. Uh, it's a, a lot of new and exciting changes and things that are coming down in the next several months uh, as far as, you know, what's what kind of cool shifts in order to match the demands of 2020 and going into 2021. This is a really awesome group of men, uh, women and men, and we're growing strong and growing, growing fast. I mean, like hugely fast. 
I can speak for the group and share that we would love to have you join us. Come on in, get involved in the conversation, learn a little, share a little, connect with people. It's a good group of people. And if you are an HR pro or an aspiring HR pro listening to this episode, I believe that there's six aspects of HR leadership that you need in order to be successful and you have to master them. Even if you aren't an HR manager and are looking to get better at being a people leader, these six aspects are going to help you and they are all available in my free HR leadership course at brendathehrlady.com. When you sign up for the course, you'll get my best practices and updates delivered directly to your inbox on a regular basis. And you know what? If you guys are listening to this episode, please hop out over to whatever platform you're at. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts or if you're listening to Stitcher, you know, do me a favor. Would you please leave your five-star review? I would really greatly appreciate it. And if you know somebody in HR, please feel free to go ahead and share this episode with them. Now, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me in a couple of different places. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Brenda the HR Lady. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Brenda Neckvottle, and my last name is spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke, V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. I also co-host another show called The Real HR Show. I mentioned just a little while ago with the evil HR lady herself, Suzanne Lucas. You can find us over on YouTube over there. And lastly, you can jump on the website at brendathehrlady.com where you can read the news updates I called out earlier in today's episode by clicking on the podcast link and then you can get access to this week's articles. So folks, thank you so much again for joining me for another week. I greatly appreciate it. Can't believe we're in Q4 already and the year is starting to wind down. So, uh, look, you know, if anything we can do to help you guys out, feel free to reach out to us and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.